Some time ago, I had opportunity to hear um, an older minister take on a title that has in recent times been given to leaders in the church, and it's called servant leadership. And I was really curious what he would do with that, and he just clobbered it. It was wonderful. Not very often do I hear something handled so poorly. And I don't mean that. It's just, that's just the truth because Jesus, let me read it to you. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So uh, this guy whose heart is, is great as the Lord all outdoors just, I think, was, I don't know what he was doing. I didn't ask him. I didn't challenge him. Uh, and that way I can, I can attach to it what I want. See, I don't have to have the facts. You know how that works. But servant leadership, if you're in leadership at all, must be servant leadership. You know the setting of the foot washing. It was Passover. Jesus and his disciples had been set up in this nice upper room to eat the the first meal of this Passover season. The room was well furnished. It, It had everything they needed except... The foot-washing slave, that's the low man on the totem pole as far as the slaves go. So in the middle of the meal, because these guys had gone to the mikvah, the ritual bath had been cleansed, uh, physically washed, put their shoes, which were sandals, back on, walked through the streets of Jerusalem to this upper room. The streets of Jerusalem were not pristine I was, in the, I was in the airport at, uh, in uh, Switzerland, I've forgotten what city, uh, we were changing planes on an Israel trip and, and there was a bunch of Texans together and they were having a great time and, and a little bit louder than the rest of us, they were not obnoxious, they were just full voiced. And um, I heard one of them say, as he put a stick of gum in his mouth, he said, he says, can you see a trash anywhere? I can't throw this down on this floor. It's too clean. That same part of the world, just a little bit farther north in the country of Germany, Eunice and I were on vacation one time. This was celebrating our, our 25th wedding anniversary. And going down the Rhine River, there are these little castles, or big castles, about every mile and a half, both sides of the river. And there's usually a little, uh, little uh, kind of village uh, down closer to the water. It's a beautiful part of the world, and it's, it's so, to us, picturesque and, and unique to our experience. And so I, Eunice was working the shops, and I had gone up to the castle and wasn't much to see there. And I had looked the little tiny town over, not much to see there. And so I'm just sitting across the street from where she's in the store... And uh, this German girl comes out of the store and washes the window. And then she washes the front of the store. And then she washes the sidewalk. 
And then she washes the gutter. Now, folks, that's clean. Okay? That's not what Jerusalem was like. Okay? They didn't have the Germanic background of, of this compulsive cleanliness. So these guys walk through the streets of Jerusalem, not up the streets of this little, uh, this little German village. They walk the streets of Jerusalem, go upstairs, and they're clean, and their feet are sticking out from the couch because they, they have these couches at the table, and they lean on their one elbow and eat with the other. And uh, not el- eat with the other elbow, but anyway, <laughs> use the other side. And uh, so they... Jesus, in the middle of the meal, just mid-meal, gets up, takes his suit coat off, gets a towel, which was long, and ties it around his waist, and gets the water basin, and starts down at one end, and these, these feet are sticking out here, and he's down on the ground, down on the knees, washing these feet. They're not grossly dirty. They're mostly just covered with dust. There could have been some grossness, but let's just say let's say there wasn't for fun, okay? So he washes these feet, washes, comes to Peter. Peter says, no, not in this lifetime. Nope. And Jesus said, it's not optional. If I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me, and that's a wonderful sermon. I'll do it another time. But uh, he washes all these feet, and then he says this. I've washed your feet. I'm your example. You do it now. It's not like, you know, things will go much better if you could consider doing this. He says, I'm your Lord and teacher. I do it. You do it. You understand that? How do I make that stronger? Get over it and do it. How, you know, hello. This is not optional. Servanthood is the lifestyle of the Christian we, if we're leaders at all, are servant leaders. If we're not leaders, we are servants. Now, that's the sermon. I just preached it. However, you know I'm not going to quit now. Number one, leading and serving, whether it's public or private, or even public and menial, that is foot washing, can be measured. You know that the scripture says, if you will judge yourself, then when you get to judgment, you won't be judged there. Now, I'm counting on that because I don't want to be judged for the crud that I have done. Crud is the theological term for what we do that's wrong. If we judge ourselves, we deal with that in the presence of God. It's like forgiveness, which we talk about all the time because that's such a huge issue in our personal lives. Because there's always somebody crossing our path that does something we don't want them to do or won't do what we do want them to do. Have you noticed? It can be daily. It can be hourly. And the Lord says you deal with that. If you don't forgive them, your heavenly father won't forgive your sins. And it's like, whoa, I didn't have to take Greek to understand that passage. And so I'm into this forgiveness thing 
Because I don't want to stand before God and he say, you know, I, I gave Jesus for all of this stuff that you have done, but you held on to this grudge. And you're not welcome here. That's not going to happen to me, honey. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit is strong enough to get me through, I'm not going to hear that when I get there. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, including the foot washing. Okay. Now, you can, you can know if you're a servant or not if you serve only those who appreciate you. You can know if you're a servant or not if you serve only those who can serve you back. You can tell if you're a servant or not if you only serve those in high positions. Or finally, you can tell if you're a servant or not if you serve only to be recognized. Howard Hendricks said, you can know whether or not you're a servant by how you act when you're treated like one. Boy, it's wonderful and peacefully quiet in here. Isn't this great? Those of you who need to get your rest, this is an ideal place. I'll, I'll lower my voice a little bit so you can just, because nobody's going to disturb you. We don't talk back to the preacher much in this kind of a sermon. Have you noticed? You just kind of think, uh, yeah, you said this before. Yeah. Uh, what else? No, I, I don't want to project that on you. That's not fair. It's probably much worse, but anyway. Um, Hendricks needs to be quoted again. You can know whether or not you are a servant by how you act when you're treated like one. So let's look at these thoughts. First of all, in this place, now I want to bring this away from the larger uh, idea of Christianity and the way to live for God and the way to walk in this world. And I, I want to bring this inside these doors at Crown Point Church. By the way, those of you who are new among us, we welcome you. We are so glad you're here. This is kind of a family deal. Um, you may be getting in on the family spanking. I don't know. Uh, but stay with us because this is part of family. I, can, I was a participant in a funeral service yesterday of this beautiful lady uh, minister's wife, the wife of uh, Chaplain James Collier of the Jackson County Jail Ministry. And she was just one of those incredible people who was beautiful, talented, gracious. And she was an efficient mom, and she had a son and a daughter. And this, the son was being a brother and bothering the, his sister and the sister said, Mom, he's doing it again. And Mom said, if I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times, you do that again, I'm going to spank you. And he says, I'm too big to be spanked. <laughs> I love it. And sure, I think it was, actually, he didn't lie about that. He was too big to be spanked. But she got him by the ear, and he started running around in a circle, and she couldn't get to him with her hand to spank him, and so she was trying to kick him. <laughs> and they, they all just kind of melted down into laughter at the absurdity of the deal. But his testimony is that he never messed with his sister again. 
whatever brothers do to make life hard for sisters. And uh, I love that because the Lord intends for us to be right on in the family and let me tell you something. If I can see you or me doing something that's going to mess us up in the judgment, I'm going to holler. If it's just myself, I discover, you won't have to hear about it. I'll deal with that in my prayer closet. But probably I'll figure that if I don't see it in you, you're sleeping around doing it secretly. So you probably will hear. And the Lord intends for us to stand in a place of security with, the scripture speaks about, an abundant entrance. Abundant entrance into that kingdom. And I want that entrance. I want that for you. I am going to stand before God and you are going to be brought up by the Lord to me because of my responsibility. That's part of what the scripture means when it says those of us who teach are going to be judged by a higher standard. Now, that's just what I need. I'm the guy that is guilty of everything, everything, neurotically guilty, starting and finishing. What I really need is a higher standard. Right. Yeah. Thanks, God. Well, but he called me and I'm not afraid anymore like I used to be. I fear God, but I'm not afraid of the judgment because the Holy Spirit is faithful. And he who started the good work in me will complete it. He will finish what he has started. I believe that. I'm just like, hallelujah. If you're going to go to hell, don't look for me. I won't be there. Not going. Don't have to go. I'm not just going to kind of slide in sideways. It's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit is much too efficient to let that happen. And if you suffer from neurotic guilt, you need to adopt some of those words. They can heal you. So, in the family, I want to talk to you just briefly about the difference between making converts and making disciples. We are blessed in that people come to the Lord regularly. Our little tiny people come to the Lord. You may get to lead your kids at home to the Lord uh, that happened a week or two ago with one of our, uh, one of our little, little tiny girls about, I don't know, she's this tall, I guess. Oh, how exciting that is for mom and dad. And uh, the Lord is even more excited than mom and dad. The angels are having a party. And we make converts. Now, our discipleship is not as effective as it needs to be, in my opinion, and we are going to be working on that. So in the family, we're going to be talking about some things. Uh, the, just the way we handle visitors. Those of you who are visitors, we're just going to talk about you, but it's not behind your back. Notice that. Uh, sometimes we are, we're really friendly. and. I don't claim that we're a friendly church. What I say is when we're friendly, we're friendly. Because I think any day, any day, any given Sunday, you and I can both have a headache and just kind of be staring straight ahead and not loving on people. Now, I, I called one of our visitors the other day, 
And he, he reeled off two previous calls. You're the third caller. You guys really have a great follow-up. Well, I hope so. But it's not to follow up. It's to seek to be the hands of the Lord extended and put our arms around people who need what God has here. God does stuff in our lives in this place. And if you're in pain, if you're hurting, if you're busted, and that's another theological term, but I don't have to explain it to you. If you are broken to pieces, God will put you back together here. He just does that. It is wonderful to watch. It thrills my soul. I remember uh, so many stories, and I better not start because we, I've just seen it time and time, scores and scores and scores of times. I've seen that thing turn on on your face. And pretty soon it comes out your mouth of what God has done and how you are being changed and have been changed. I, I love it. And uh, the other day I, I started a sermon and I just took this little detour and, and I felt like I should. And it was like, where did they come from? And then I went back to my sermon, got a text message that afternoon. God took that strangeness. And ministered to one of our gals, and it was the sweetest, neatest deal. You think that makes me mad, don't you? That is absolutely over the top. We owe visitors. Let me talk to you about youth and adult volunteers. Youth, our youth this summer have have been on a couple mission trips, been to camp, and about to go to... have you thought about living here, you know, just staying here? It's okay. You're welcome here. We like you. Uh, no, really, they have worked. They have been on the line in physical labor. And the last missions trip they went on, you heard about, I think it was last Sunday. And Pastor Jeremy told them something like this. As they were going. Now we are going there. And they went to serve a church. In a camp setting. With services and all the stuff that goes with camp. We're going there for them. This is not about you. We are there to serve them. A.K.A. wash feet. And And these people came back. And they had. Clean. Cruddy stuff. You know. And it was, it's kind of funny because I know where these people live and they just live in middle-class homes, which are really nice. You live in a nice place. And these people were doing stuff that they had probably never done before and loved it. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm proud of you for, for having the spirit that can be picked up by these kids Just be careful that selfishness is not ever an issue. And if it is, just apologize. If you've been selfish in front of the family, say, oh, my goodness, that was awful. I'm so sorry. I learned to do that when my kids were little tiny and I got to do the putting them into bed. I've told you that story and I just, I loved it. It was so great. And when I would blow it in the evening, I'd say, okay, you know what, what dad said back in there? I was wrong. It was a sin. I'm really sorry. 
and I want you to forgive me. And then I would pray in front of them and ask Jesus to forgive me. Don't forget that. That's a good technique with little tiny people. They'll forgive you. You don't have to be perfect. What, what makes you think you could be? You think they're so stupid that they can't figure out you're not perfect? Okay, I'm sorry. It's just family. Visitors, this is just family. <clears throat> Sometimes we're nicer to each other. Or at least I'm nicer. There is one thing that I want us to know in this business when we start talking about um, making a commitment. Now, the world calls it volunteerism, and that doesn't sound very spiritual, but the world has that handle for it, and it means serving. It means volunteering for service, and we're going to give you an opportunity if the Holy Spirit is moving upon you in a little bit, we're going to give you an opportunity to make some commitments or at least get some information because these tables are up here because uh, we want some of the leaders to come and stand behind the table so they can answer questions. And then we have sign-up sheets that says, uh, greeters, women's ministry, men's ministry, facilities, grounds, uh, maintenance, and so forth. There's just all kinds of, all this list. Now, what happens in a group is that if the Holy Spirit is helping us and guiding us, every job gets covered by someone who can do it rather comfortably. Some of you remember horses. Some of you may have horses now. I grew up with horses and, and uh, always had horses i got one when i was three dad was such a purist that i had to learn to ride bareback before he'd buy me a saddle because if i didn't if he bought me the saddle first then i'd never learn to ride bareback and go figure but anyway i'm three okay but anyway uh we had a we had a quarter mare she was big and she was yellow and she was perhaps the best athlete of any species i've ever met because she could do anything. She had been trained in jumping. She had been trained in dressage. She could turn inside herself in a cutting horse situation. She was fast. She was, she, this, this, this gal was over the top. Well, we always, almost always, were looking for some cows to go help some some rancher with, but we seldom got to do any cowboy work, so we just rode the horses down the road in the country. And so quarter horses, if you, if you want any speed, will trot, and they will beat you to death. They will hurt your body. Honk, 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 you know, down the road. So we would, we would crowd them walking, and we would crowd them and crowd them so they walk faster and faster, and so they would develop a pretty decent little what we call running walk, and, and it, it's smooth. This horse, you could crowd and crowd, and she would just keep going faster and faster, and it becomes what is known as single foot. And that's a hot shot gait from gated horses, American Saddlebred, etc. And she could single foot as fast as... The other quarter horses were loping down the road. She was amazing. 
because quarter horses do not single foot. That's an oxymoron. Quarter horses were bred when, when range was open and you do these roundups and these yearling steers would break and run and these old cow ponies from way back then couldn't catch them. And if you could get a rope on them, the, the steer was stronger than the horse. Just jerk you around. And so quarter horses were bred so that they were really, really fast. Got that from the Arabian and the thoroughbred. And then from other breeds, they got this strength, this kind of wide, muscly business. And they just set that, that steer on his head if they needed to because they were stronger than he was. That's where, the, that's where quarter horses came from. So they, didn't, they did not breed them for the pleasure of sitting in the saddle and riding down the country road. Get a Tennessee walker, get an American saddlebred, get one of those horses if that's what you're going to do. Okay. However, this horse could do that, but it was not natural. And I would not let her do that very far because every muscle was being kind of stressed and she was making it happen but it was not natural she's way too tightly wound way too tightly uh, sinewed in her joints and so forth to do that for any amount of time and some of us have been in work in jobs in the church and we like that quarter horse maybe we're just pretty adaptable and you know if you need it done I'll do it and it's as unnatural as Goldie single footing. It's just not natural. The Lord doesn't do that to you very often, okay? That's just not what he likes. He likes to take you and put you where you fit. It's the slickest thing. So that when you surrender to the will of God, you end up doing what you do better and love doing. Now that's how bad the will of God is. That's how awful it is to surrender to the Lord. And you may have some bad moments. You'll have some bad moments if you never give your heart to the Lord. You'll have some bad moments in this life. And you'll have some if you come to Jesus because life will, will see that you get dumped on. But don't worry because there is this incredible Father who loves by His Holy Spirit to just prepare us for this and slide us into that slot. And there we go. I... We had a, a deacon who took on a job in the church, and I just worried and worried and worried and talked to him about this and talked to him about this and talked to him about it. And he finally convinced me that he loved it. Now, how could you love doing what he was doing? And I'm not going to tell you what it is because the guy's sitting in the room. But uh, if he wants to tell you, he can. But he convinced me finally that this was not a chore. This was a blessing, and it's like, thank God, because we desperately needed it done. Now, that's our God, and that's what's called the body ministry. So you need to get yourself under the Lord so that he can speak to you and let him move you into the slot. Now, if you hate little kids, he's not going to put you with Pastor John in the kids' department. If you hate adolescence, avoid Jeremy. He'll want to hang you there, and it'll be murder. 
It might be the murder of one of our kids. We wouldn't like that. We, wouldn't, we don't want them to hurt you. You see, the Lord does better work than that. And I know that in, in the past we have had, you may never have heard this, but I've heard ministers that, that talked about, and they call it surrendering to the will of God to preach. Surrendering to the ministry. And it was like they fought it, and it was the worst thing that could ever, ever happen to them. And I never have been able to understand that. I don't suppose they're lying. I hope they're not. And they're not sinning against me if they are, so the Lord can deal with that. But, but my deal was uh, everybody in my family were ministers, and, and I wasn't close enough to the Lord that he could talk to me, so I wasn't called. But I wanted to be. <laughs> it was so funny. And finally, I began to draw into the Lord and got close enough, and I was called to the ministry, and it was the greatest thing. So you understand why I think the will of God is good, and it will meet the needs of the church. It will meet, the, it will meet your needs. And the, the final thing I want to say is many hands make light work. We can have enough workers in certain areas where you only serve once a month. And we have that in, in several of our areas uh, that are kind of, um, well, let's call it labor-intensive for want of a better word. And they, they rotate and get about one, once a month. And it's really, really slick. Now, let me ask you this. If you're not walking with God, are you ready to just get with him? I haven't talked about how we're saved. Let me just say that this father that I've been bragging about and, and in some ways maybe defending, this father loves you so much. He gave his one and only son for you so that you could have fellowship with him and enjoy the fullness of life that comes through Jesus Christ. And before we go any further, I want you to have an opportunity to say, I need to buy into that. Would you bow your heads please? And if you're not walking with God. Would you please just raise your hand. You don't need to say anything at this point. Just raise your hand.